five, six. Um, well, at least you didn't have again. to deal with snow and snow plows and shit. Um, and I suppose you didn't bring your own car anyway, so it wouldn't have been an issue. You, you wouldn't have to winterize your car. Do you even have to do that? Um, or is that in Vegas? Yeah, no. Well, or, no. If you're heading to Chicago from Vegas, if you were to drive up, if I were to drive there, um, I don't know what I would have to do. You don't have to put on chains or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's not much to do. Do you have to uh, change? My, your I mean, electric cars. The oh, worst thing with the electric, electric cars is um, it just the cold is very hard on the battery. Uh, yeah, you'd be sucking through so, charge. It is power is like blasting through power, but um, there's nothing uh, nothing you could do. I mean, unless you, I mean, some people put on the heavier duty tires. That's fine. Uh, electric cars already have pretty heavy duty tires because of the weight of the car, so it's not a big deal. Yep. Uh, if I had my old car, I don't know. I usually just it's usually just driving in the snow <laughs> that people suck at. You know, you just have to. Got to be careful. You got to go slow. Um, you don't want to drive like a fucking maniac. People with the four wheel drive trucks will drive like a fucking maniac yep. and think that they're fine, but they're not. So that's really <laughs> what you got to look out for. Yeah, I saw some viral thing of people trying to defrost their their windshields by pouring like warm water Ooh. on it. I'm like, what are you crazy? <laughs> You're gonna fucking crack your windshield. Yep. Lunatic, you just have to deal with it, just chisel it out like everybody else. Well, I did hear spray it with a little bit of um, like isopropyl alcohol and dish soap. Yep, you do that before you you do uh, a little put it, put it away though. You got to get you just got to get something with the uh, there's no magic trick, you just got to get that scraper out. Um, you can put a little alcohol on there, that definitely will help break the freeze a little bit. Yep. Um, you just, you just gotta, and you gotta turn the car on first and blast that window windshield defrost. Yeah. On the other side and, you know, let it melt a little bit and then grind away at it. Best thing to do, just park your car in a garage if you can. That'd be my advice. <laughs> Not a luxury that most people in Chicago have, unfortunately. So Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, well, I think it's time to get on. That's two and a half minutes of pre-show chat that people got an insight Let's into. Do it. Perfect. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's another episode of the Beer Engine Podcast. Back from our short Christmas break, uh, where uh, both of us, uh, for once, uh, were at home. Me not not in my uh, childhood home, unfortunately. I did drive past my most recent home, Tony, and laid eyes on what was going on there. And I would like to um, congratulate the new owners on being just as lazy with any Christmas decoration as I was. There was not there was one Christmas wreath on, uh, on the front door, and it nor it wasn't even actually. There might be more lazy because we at least had the outdoor like wreaths around the lanterns and stuff. Um, <laughs> this is just a wreath, and it was awkwardly placed on the trim of the door, not um, on the center, rather of the than door. being on the center of the door, like the the top center of the door or uh, the center, the top third, I guess, of the door. This was on the trim, like the t- uh, above the door. 
So uh, appeared quite awkward. Would you yeah, bang right. your head? And if you were walking up the door, you would theoretically hit your head on it. So quite strange, but uh, yeah, that was. So uh, you know what? Shout out to them for having uh, maybe even being more lazy than me, and maybe <laughs> hopefully they. I, I hope they don't get a citation or something from the homeowners association for their shitty decorating. Is that really a thing that you could get a citation from the homeowners association for shitty decoration? No, they do yell at you if, like, the trim under your window is, like, chipping paint a little bit. They will send you, like, a citation for that. But, nah, usually not for the decorations. Oh, and if your grass is a little long, uh, they'll send you one for that, too. Not that any of that ever happened to me uh, (laughs) frequently. So, really, not not even a big deal. This is one of these weird things, as you would have witnessed in Australia, homeowner um, associations are not a big thing in Australia or even a thing in Australia Um, and it really needs to get out of hand for the local council to actually take charge and and put a notice up. Right. We've got like America, America, I'm talking in quotations here, Uh, certain right-wingers bash their chest about how free they are and then you have to constantly deal with homeowners associations and and what you can do on your yard and, and what you can... Yeah. How long your lawns are? I mean, you, shit like that. Everything. I mean, let's let's use uh, our theme of our podcast, right? As a we operate on this. Uh, everything has multiple un, and seemingly at, at times unnecessary levels of bureaucracy involved in it. Yep. Uh, so you're not just dealing with the person who runs your town. You're dealing with the person who runs your subdivision, and they're dealing with the person who runs the small township uh, collection of subdivisions. And they're dealing with the corporation that built the houses, and they're dealing with the town. It just goes up and up and up. Uh, with beer, right? Uh, even in in uh, you know certain states, you're dealing with a, a middle the middleman that decides what type what kind of beer you can have and yep. what beer they're going to buy from X brewery, and you know sort of limits your options. Uh, now I know those types of things happen in other countries where it's just based on geography, but um, you know, there's there's always somebody in the middle that kind of Im- impacts everything, and I, I guess that's just I guess that's just the way we do shit. It's like a healthcare, same deal, right? We have the yeah insurance layer to healthcare. You're we just looking at that today, Kelly and I comparing our healthcare. This is a thrilling conversation, by the way. Healthcare shit for the coming year, <laughs> and this is just a part of living in the U.S. Is you you get the same shit you think. But everything's different. So you're like, okay, oh, shit, my deductible's different. Oh, fuck, it's going to cost more if I have to go to the ER, you know. And I didn't choose a new plan. I just stuck with the plan that they have, you know, the best plan they offer. And things just move, targets move around. So you have to keep looking at this stuff all the time. It's it's such a treat, Tony. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it must must drive you crazy with, with things that are sort of key to living a normal life, like health insurance, that you've got to spend so much time um, pouring through um, policies and stuff like that to find out if you're getting screwed or not. And even then, there's freedom, probably a baby. 50-50 chance that you are getting screwed. I'd say almost you are getting, you know, there's a, it's a hundred percent chance you're getting screwed, especially with dental and eye care and all that shit. That shit you're really getting fucked over on. Um, now Christmas, Tony. Now I know, uh, I had a fam, I had a big family Christmas back in the Chicagoland area. Went really well. Um, 
food came out great. Made beef bourguignon. Uh, uh, Kelly made a pavlova. Absolutely delicious. Uh, how was your Christmas day? Everything go with the good with the family. You enjoy your your uh, uh, whatever cold roast or whatever the hell it was you ate. Yeah, but, but it was excellent. We had a good spread of prawns. Love a good prawn and mango nice. salad. Yeah, love that. Good. Um, some cold chicken. A little bit of roast lamb that was uh, served warm, not too hot. That was delicious. Uh, the salads were quite outstanding. Um, just, just some basic bitch salads, but like a cob salad to catch, cut through the richness of everything else you've got on your plate on Christmas Day. That's um, nice. BA's best um, stuffing when Bon Appetit put that out about five years ago. It's an amazing, I don't know what you'd call it, force meat because you don't stick it in any bird. Yeah. Just cook up a big tray of it. And we made it with handmade sourdough bread and it turned out freaking amazing. We were Sounds very great. happy sure. how that turned out. Uh, desserts, we didn't do a pad this year. Uh, did a tiramisu, brandy snaps and cheesecake, which were all delicious. Of course, ate too much food, uh, but it was a really yep. wet Christmas day for us. It rained basically all day, um, aside from a window where I was able to walk home from, from my sister's place. But otherwise, it rained all day. It was, If you had young kids, it would have been quite awful. But hey, we we those days are behind us, and my nephews are, are grown, and uh, so we just played uh, played some pool in their shed, and uh, yeah, drank a couple of beverages. Yours. So how was uh did did you have uh the the did the gang come into town? All your old friends come into town for Christmas Eve and hang at the brewery. Was that a good scene? It was. We actually did it the twenty third because there were a few that mm. do have young families and whatever else. Then they had a band the twenty third and. Boy, it's, nice. um, it was it was a big night the twenty third, but gonna get rowdy, yeah. Dwarf completely by what by what happened on Christmas Eve. Now I only went for a couple of hours on Christmas Eve, um, but it was it was big. It was back to the way Mafra have always done Christmas Eve, which was have a live band. It used to be at a pub. It used to pack out the pub, and it packed out the brewery. Um, it was great to see um, them really. Um, have that space filled. Do you know how vast that space is and how many people it's you can cram into it? Place. Yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah. And there, there would have been 400 to 600, Beautiful. I don't know, taking a guess. There's so many. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, crazy. All right. And probably burning through kegs, I assume, right? Yep. And, and Bilsons. Kegs and Bilsons would be my guess. Right. I was going <laughs> to say, you're just tearing through fucking Bilsons. Yeah. It's like a regular uh, tasting party in there. Uh, yeah, we had a nice time with some of that, too. We actually hung out even a day earlier, met up with um, oh some of our friends and listeners, uh, uh, Kyle and Tyler and Tom and friends, and opened up a couple side projects, uh, which was Ooh. nice. Tony uh, opened up a, uh, some Rest in Peace Metropolitan Lagers, uh, cracked open some Rev beers. Uh, it, was a, it was a good time there in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, ate some some of that classic Chicago tavern cut, tavern style pizza, thin crust pizza, the very best uh, had to offer there. That was delicious. It was now, so what? snackable, Tony. That crust was so thin, <laughs> I could eat in six hundred pieces. Of that shit it was so good. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. This is a style that allows you to inhale quite a bit of it. What was your sort of go to pie that you kept coming back for an extra square? The sausage, man. They have that. The sausage in Chicago, I talked, I'm sure I talked about it. 
do its own thing. It's crumbly. It's crumbly, and it's got so much fucking fennel in it. It's like insane with the fennel. And um, and it just crumbled on top, really. It's like um, big, kind of bigger crumbly chunks. Um, not like ground beef crumbled. Like, um, I don't know, almost like you're pushing it out of it. Right, yeah, sort of like mini meatball size, yeah. Um, and uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, that sausage. I, I wasn't always a huge fan of that as a kid. Of but course. as I've grown up and understood the the difference from if you get sausage on a pizza here, it's like a whole other thing. It's more like cut links, actually, more than anything. Oh, weird. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so uh, I appreciate it a lot more. And uh, now we did pizza again on Christmas Eve with with the family. Uh, ordered from a different place, and that was a little different. It was still thin crust. But maybe this is more of the type I'm really used to. It was a little bit doughier, like a little bit more chew on the crust. Just is still delicious. Fantastic. Yep. Great sausage on that, too. I love that there's a couple, like, iterations of this you can get. Um, it's a good thing. But that did, I did leave it late that I would get an Italian beef sandwich <laughs> before I left. And from nearly three hours before my flight, my flight left, I did go get a Buona. Italian beef for Kelly and I, and um, it was maybe the best one I've had in a while. I was felt like I was tearing up a little bit trying to get through it. It was just so good. They put so much yard on it this time. It was wonderful. Now, question. Not about the yes. – I think I've asked everything about Italian beef I can ever ask, but I know you enjoy some YouTube from time to time um, sure. and a quite uh, well-presented gentleman called Matty Matheson. Have yeah, for this guy. Have you seen his Chicago deep dish uh, video? I saw that come up and I didn't watch it, <laughs> oh. so I will have to watch it, dude. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna lay eyes on the pizza he has here. Um, oh, it's gonna make me watch an ad, so we're not gonna do it. But I just sort of want to see an image of what he presents as his. Now this looks a little bit. It looks a little thick to me um, for what oh. it usually is, but I'm. Not really. I'd be interested to see what he's done. Maybe yeah. he jammed a bit too much crust in his mold because you know yeah. what Maddie's like on, on camera. But I will say compared to a lot of the other ones you see on YouTube, which are like pies that are, you know, six inches high, um, it wasn't that crazy. And it was just like he didn't go overboard in producing the sauce. Uh, yeah. It wasn't overly reduced. It wasn't cooked. Because it, it's in the Should oven for so fucking it, right? long. It's going to cook for so long, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was just a mix of of mozz and and um, provolone cheese. Um, but it was true, Maddie, not giving a fuck on camera, and it was the he best. Is a good is a good feel for the regional foods for Chicago. He did a his Italian beef looked good, um, if somewhat imperfect, but it looked good. And I. Uh, uh, he he's made some other stuff that I have opinions on that I that I liked, um, and I use his beef bourguignon recipe, and I think it's amazing. It's so easy. Now you can do uh, a good Chicago just, voice. Um, have you ever thought about becoming the Chicago version of Uncle Roger? <laughs> Boy, Uncle Roger, I I I, I teeter between whether uh, Uncle Roger. I feel like is. Uh, I guess I can't say he's being racist, but there's something so awkward about watching Uncle Roger to me. I do like when he tears into like uh, Gordon Ramsay's pad tie or something like that. That is funny to watch. But 
Well, it's more um, than likely Jamie Oliver. He's, he's quite a fan of Gordon Ramsay. But this is a guy that lives in the area. Like, if you were to play up a Chicago person is different to me as an Australian playing up an Australian person. You could watch um, people make Italian beeves. Um, and I, I think that's a good idea because I have a very distinct opinion of what is supposed to happen with the Italian beef. And uh, yep. I know a lot of people do. So I would love to sit there and watch people try to make them. Yeah, I, I've Italian done every beef like, housewife. Chicago yeah. dog for another. Chicago pizza, both tavern style and nice. deep dish. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be great to have your. And who Maxwell would be your Polish. Auntie oh, Sorry, uh, Auntie Helen. Who would the Chicago version of that be? What's the most stereotypical, yeah, to figure out. like middle-aged white woman name in Chicago? Yolanda? Oh, I mean, we have so many of those, right? Yeah, I mean, there's like the, yeah, we'll have to figure out Crystal? who that would be. Probably the ladies who work the wiener circle at uh, in Chicago, right? The, the chocolate milkshake ladies. Yeah. You know, you know that place? No, I don't know that place. Oh, you have to look that up. I'm not going to spoil it. Look up the wiener circle on uh, on YouTube someday. Uh, get yourself a chocolate milkshake. You'll have a nice time. Um, all right. Uh, so one thing I did want to point out about my Chicago trip, Tony, I went up, we went over to our pal's house and I, uh, our friend Tyler, who's been on the show here, brought over a full suit, like rolling suitcase of beer that I had to take home. Uh, it take was home. like eight, four packs of revolution, uh, barrel aged a, uh, there is a throw in of a six pack Oktoberfest from them that I'm drinking right now and tastes great. Um, there was a, uh, Benthic box, there was like a case of Metropolitan beers uh, that I bought last minute. So, good news, all of them made it home, except for the ones I drank while I was cooking dinner. But uh, everything made it back uh, safely. The Benthic box intact. Uh, I even have tried 2023 Benthic when I was in Chicago, and it's incredible. Can't wait to have get into more of that. But, uh, yeah, it was an insane amount of rev cans that I picked up. And I realized my mistake is that this guy will text uh, – our friend Tyler will text me uh, every time he, like, sees that they have Ryeway at his corner store. And I don't remember that I already told him to buy it. So then I just keep telling him to buy it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me another one of those. Yep. So I just – I mean, I love Ryeway, and I will go through it, but um, – it is funny. I'm just looking like, why do I have so much fucking Ryeway? What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> um, so pretty good stuff. But that was a fun experience. Our, my bag, good thing for status, Tony. My bag weighed 65 pounds uh, when I brought it back. And that was just one because I had the duffel, a 40-pound duffel bag also with a bunch <laughs> of crap in it. I also had two bottles of Jardinera in these and a bottle of Malort, for the record. Um <laughs> So we were we were flying with about 100 and I'd say around 120 some pounds of uh, various uh, products we were taking home. So you were able to split the um, everything between the two of you and and not have to pay excess baggage. Not shit. Uh, other than making the lady at the check-in desk, I think irritated that she had to move this massive fucking bag. Uh, we didn't have to. There is no uh, financial cost to us of. Traveling with all this shit home. Thank God. Sorry Lucky for her me. luck. But that's her job. Oh, Come yeah. on. You you have to deal with status customers? That's that's I'm certain goes. I'm certain yeah, you'd rather deal with us than the people who don't know how to 
on a plane. I did sit next to a lady um, across the aisle from me who had clearly just purchased Bluetooth headphones and was watching a YouTube. I'm not shitting you. She was watching a YouTube video without sound because the YouTube video was how to connect your Bluetooth headphones. (laughs) Your thing. She's watching a video to try to learn it, but can't listen to the video because she can't hit it, get her headphones hooked up to the, to the thing. It was very, very, very funny to look at. I was dying about that. Did she have subtitles on at least? You know what? I didn't even, I probably, I would guess, or or maybe I think it had like text running across it anyways. Um, But it was just, it was just funny to think about the catch 22 of that. Like I really need to watch a video to help me do this, but I can't hear it. Uh, So that's really going to be tough is, is pretty bad. There's Uh, really no reason not to figure shit out now. And it's always funny to, find out what locations people are doing that in. It would be interesting to have somebody watching a packing video in the airport or I don't think there's anything more appropriate than the Bluetooth headphone, though. I'm just trying to think, at least in the airport. I mean, that was, I mean, and on the plane even was amazing to me. I mean, I'm just sitting on the plane looking at this. It's <laughs> it wild. I also have lately noticed uh, on these pla- on planes, they have the entertainment centers, you know. Yep. But even people on their phone will just be will be watching movies or whatever, and I'm not I'm not going to judge this, I guess, too hard. But people are just watching movies with full on fucking fucking in it, not porn, but like yep. you know, like they're watching you know R rated movies and stuff. I, I think I'm too. I'm not saying. I guess I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But why am I? I, I feel like the prude here. I'm like, man, what? Yeah, I guess I would just be embarrassed. Like I, I don't have. I would be looking around like I'm freaked out. Like, okay, there's titties on my phone. Yep. Or is anyone looking at, at this? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same. And even back in the days when it was the entertainment centers, I'm surprised they didn't cut that shit out. Um, I always. I mean, on the. I swear we were on the American flight, out, and um, I looked over to somebody's. Uh, I looked over and caught somebody's entertainment center because on the in first class they have them, still the big screens and international yep. flights they generally have them on the backs. Yeah, um, yeah, and I just saw like cans out, and I'm like, what, what? Uh, <laughs> okay, you know, whatever. I I I don't want to sound like the prude freak, but, but I all, you're also just like I I just know I personally would be highly. Uh, Anxious. I'd be looking around like, is there any, are there any four-year-olds looking at the huge tits on my screen? Yeah, or even worse, a 12-year-old. That'd be creepier. Yeah, a four-year-old wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think you're being a prude. I think that's quite a reasonable position to take. I, I, don't, I don't think um, just because it's available to you, I think you should still know your time and place. And it is still, at the end of the day, a public area it's just like why we don't go bare feet to an airplane bathroom because you understand the time and the place oh hang on is there some overlap between the people that go barefoot to the bathroom and watch these these movies with the full-on nudity probably because they don't realize hey just because you're sucked into your screen doesn't mean it isn't a public place that's that's just my view on it i don't think it's prudish at all um like you're allowed to do within reason what you want to do in a public space, but still understand that 
if people give you a strange look, they have every right to give you that strange look. You're not being some sort of like crazy conservative Christian by having this view that like breasts on a mid-afternoon flight is, is, is not something that is normal for most people. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting thing to uh, to witness there. I, uh, I I don't know. Uh, so that's that's my lately. I, so right now, this is the first time in a while I don't have anything booked for a really? little while until we go to Copenhagen. Yeah, I, I know I'm going to have to go back to Chicago this winter. Boy, can't wait for that. Um, <laughs> it sounds like stuff, you're so. You know what? Give me some tips out there, gang. If you guys have a place I need to get out out to. Maybe check out breweries or do something interesting or somewhere unique that, uh, especially in the states that you, you think I've I've skipped out on, uh, drop us a line on the on the Discord and and let me know. Hey, get your ass over to whatever. Uh, Have you ever thought Columbus, about like? Ohio or I hear the weather's nicer than Chicago, but the Gaza Gaza Strip is looking for some <laughs> tourists. I've been mulling that around, Tony. I was. It seems like it's in great condition. Uh, things are going really <laughs> normal there. Um, now, I and honestly, um, you know, I was, I was, bet- I've been between there, and I did just. I'm not kidding. I saw a post recently. It's like West Bank Brewer is trying to survive during wartime, and I'm like, he and they're still making IPA, or what? What are we, what, what are we doing? Like yeah, these businesses have to get. This is a mundane. There is a mundane aspect to all this stuff. Too. Yeah, there's always been a mundane aspect to war and life needs to go on. If you are not a foot soldier in the race, your life goes on one way or another, sometimes tragically. But the mundane things still fucking happen. The The mundane things are what fill up your life and that that's the absurdity of war. It's not all a Saving Private Ryan film. Uh, it's right. tragic, it's traumatic but also there is a lot of mundane shit that goes on. It's true. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave off Ukraine and the Gaza strip as my options, uh, as maybe future options. Well, um, could I make know, a semi-serious my, suggestion then? Cause I just and also put, nobody say Indiana, nobody say Indiana or, or anywhere like that. <laughs> I wasn't going to be that you. smart. Um, to check out Gary, Indiana. Um, but I, what brought the Gaza Strip joke to mind was I was watching somebody feed Phil last night and he was in Croatia. And there's sure. a place that has recovered from wartime and it um, seems like a lovely place to visit. Would you think about doing a place like that rather than an Italy or a France or I would love to go to Croatia. The Croatian coast is supposed to be yeah. Don't Dalmatian coast is supposed to be incredible. Um, I will, uh, yeah, I would absolutely be one hundred percent behind doing something like that. They have a whole wine uh, scene there. They have a whole beer scene there. Uh, their food looks amazing. Um, yeah, I'd absolutely do that. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends who've done Italy recently. I've been fascinated by that. I've still never yeah. done Belgium. I think that's got to be high on the list. For a beer lover, but, um, don't let Nick talk here. You talk about Belgium, though. He reckons it's the shittiest place on earth. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, I, I'm interested in that argument, sure. Makes me feel better about not going. <laughs> well, I, I uh, think what it is, I think Belgium, 
Belgium itself doesn't have a lot of great qualities and is constantly grey. So you talk about Chicago being nice and grey when you're there. This yeah. is a place that in the middle of summer is grey. Uh, doesn't have a lot of like cultural like things to grab onto like churches and whatever else. This was a farming territory. Um, yep. So it is industrial. Slow country, right? They have a lot of yeah. they have a lot of that the gray fog settling in into Amsterdam too. Ne- the Netherlands, I think, deals with some of that too. Yeah, but you have some um, great pretty cities within Netherlands: Rotterdam, Amsterdam. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Which are, I think quite picturesque, even when they're gray. But who knows? I haven't been to so, Belgium. I'm only going off what Nick has told me. Speak, speaking of Europe, Tony, uh, before we move on, I did learn recently. I don't know if I talked about this on here. We are going to go back to Copenhagen for the MBCC, yep. of course. And uh, I found out that we will be there uh, during Eurovision, which is in Malmo this year, actually. Uh, nice. In Sweden. So Malmo, as, as you know, just across uh, a, a channel from uh, Copenhagen. Uh, so, and Malmo, a bit smaller of a city than yep. Copenhagen for sure. So it's eaten up a lot of the hotels in Copenhagen <laughs> over this weekend, in fact. Uh, and tra- intra- intra-European travel during that weekend is quite expensive and miserable to do. So I was able to find a great price on a flight from the U.S. to Copenhagen because nobody in the U.S. fucking will care. No. But if I wanted to go from, say, Vegas to London to go, no way. Way more expensive Yep. to go from London to, uh, to Copenhagen. So we're flying direct and we are staying in a nicer hotel this year, which I was very happy about, but only because our usual, like very tiny hotel, uh, price is all jacked up and I'm like, <laughs> fuck it. I'll just stay at the nicer hotel. If I'm going to have to pay a bunch of like an inflated price. You yeah. Know? If I'm the um, same as you, if you're going to stay at a shitty hotel, it's got to come for that beautiful price, which means right. you don't overpay. But if you've got to pay sort of half what you would pay for the shitty hotel? No, go balls out. Spend right. that money and just go in stay slightly in nicer. Yeah, exactly. Sleep in a. I mean, nothing wrong with the wake up Copenhagen. It was a nice, clean place, but it was a, the shower was essentially a big test tube. Uh, very, your elbows are crashing into the walls the whole time. Everything is very, very small and narrow. So I'll actually have some spaces here, which is good. But yeah, maybe I'll run into some Australians there. I know that yeah. Australia loves loves itself some Eurovision. Sure does. Maybe I'll make some. Maybe I'll make some friends that go to NBCC too. I'm sure we'll have some crossover of people at Eurovision and people going to NBCC. Oh, we'll, without we'll a doubt, that. that's got to be a huge, um, huge crossover. But speaking about other European European vacation towns, have you ever thought about going to Serbia? Because I do hear there is a great apple farmer from Serbia. I've heard of this guy, yeah. Yeah, Darko uh, Milicic. I'll, I'll, you know <laughs> is that what he's doing now? Yes. Okay. All right, sure. I, I only know of the, uh, the, the young farmhand from Serbia uh, who found his way onto the Denver Nuggets, but uh, that's my only, my only contact with basketball in Serbia, and that's not true. I've... Spend a ton of Serbians in the league. Speaking yeah. of the NBA, Tony, I thought we well, should at least cover the. That's why I was doing the segue. Because who did Darko Milicic yeah, well, first play for? The, the, of course, the, a good Detroit Pistons team, um, funny enough. And uh, I, I think Darko, 
uh, unfortunately for him, was sort of found a he, he found a tough uh, a tough roster there to make an impact on. But I I believe he did win the NBA title, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, Darko with the with the Detroit the 2004 Detroit Pistons. Yes, you uh, are correct. Now, uh, unfortunately for the current Detroit Pistons, uh, it does not look like they are coming up on any titles anytime soon. I've been fascinated by them all season, yep. and I hope even our less inc- NBA inclined people can be fascinated by this. Uh, this is a team that has lost the most games in a row uh, ever. Uh, they've been playing NBA basketball for some 70 or so years now. Yep, 1947. Uh, 80 years. Yep. Uh, yep. Coming up on 70-something years. And uh, they um, nobody's ever lost this many. Was it was a 27-game losing streak. Yep. They're 2-29. and 29. My favorite thing is that they started 2-1. and one, Or, sorry, 20, yeah, 27. So they're 2-28. and 28. Yes, and they've lost twenty-seven in a row, uh, and they uh, started the season two and one, and they haven't won since then. It looks like now there's a bet out right now, and I wanted to get your opinions on on this, Tony. Okay, uh, they they were gonna they were looking at the next five games for the Pistons, and when they might get their next win. So uh, they're playing the Celtics tomorrow no at four thirty. Now that was off. That wasn't even on the board for this one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll up. Now the next one they've got is the Raptors. The Raptors were plus 180 as the, and that was the lowest odds. They're not um, good this year. Were that Detroit? They're they're quite bad. Um, that is their best chance. But even still, like we're beaten by a um, a Utah team that. Um, Basically, had nobody out of their fir- their starting five playing for them, and half their bench out. So I don't don't even like the chances there. All right, so that that's the lowest odds on the board, plus one eighty. They play New Year's Day against the Rockets. That's plus six fifty. Now, um, where's this being played? In Detroit. In Houston. Okay. You see, I thought You're if the players were on, on the road, New Year's Eve. Yeah, okay. Go out on the town, could get drunk, but I'm guessing when they're at home, they're less likely to get up, get into trouble. So I'm going to say that the Rockets squeak that one out. Now the Rockets, I'm more wary of. They've been a much better team than the Raptors this year, but being a young team, I do worry uh, that they could drop a game. So if you're going to pick a game, that's that's a game I would certainly look at picking. Okay, plus six fifty is decent. A decent number too. Yep. Um, okay, so this is th- that's that kicks off a four game road uh, s- swing trip for them. Yep. Uh, they have the third. Uh, they are playing Utah in Salt Lake City. They now, didn't beat I, them I, they at, have, at ground level. They won't beat the, them in Utah. That's what I was going to say. That, that has the second lowest odds to Toronto, but um, I I feel like the elevation. Is not going to be good on on an on an Alec Burks or a, an Isaiah Livers, maybe. or Bogdan for that matter. Yep. Well, then on the fifth, they head west to Golden State. Potential uh, plus twenty one, plus twenty one hundred for that one. See, Golden State are being so overrated this year. That and the Raptors game, Rockets games are the two that stand out for me. 
as chances that people wouldn't um, always see because the Warriors have been awful this year and they've been inconsistently awful. Some nights they look like they're going to be a top two in the West team, but most of the time they look like they're going to be an 11th seed. I, I tend to agree, but I'll, I, I think that's an interesting one to put a few shekels on because of the yep. big odds. Um, I also think that when a team like Detroit tries to play their way against a team like Golden State and get out, get the ball out and run a little bit, they just get absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> so they need they need Golden State to be missing shots, which they've been doing lately. So. Um, uh, two days later, they wrap up this road swing uh, back at Mile High uh, against Denver. Denver uh, that one's also, rest everybody, uh, no chance there. Um, yeah, that, that one's plus 3,100. Now, do we have the odds for the game on the 11th or the 10th? The uh, That's on a back-to-back, though. That's the issue for Detroit. They're playing we, we this, only- the Spurs. We only go to the ninth uh, against Sacramento. Okay. Uh, and it's plus 1,100. Now, this is only for their next win. So once they win, the rest of these are dead. Yep. Right? You lose. You lose. If they beat Toronto and you bet Sacramento, your money's out. gone. Um, yep. Gotcha. Yep. Your money's gone. But you gotta, so you got to hold out one, two, three, four, five more games. You gotta, you're, you're, making a sta- you're making a statement that they're going to lose 32 in a row. Essentially, but at that point. come on, you you've watched their side and how it's constructed. How does it win basketball games? Not in the modern NBA, but how does it win basketball games? I think their confidence is so shot too that it is hard to envision them winning. Now they 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 got it. They had a double digit lead yesterday <laughs> yeah. against Brooklyn at home. And they just they just melted down. Cade played awesome in the second half, forty-one five and nine. Um, he played the whole second half. But this is the problem: is they just you're right. There is no. It's it's hard to look at these bench minutes and and not know what and see them being able to do anything. So I, I yep. sent this to some friends recently. That they have these four guys. They're playing ten deep, which one right, right away is a problem. But you're looking at uh, the, the uh, this would be 24, 34, 43 minutes that were played between Kevin Knox, James Wiseman, Marcus Sasser, and Ozer Thompson. Okay. Uh, who combined in those 43 minutes to give you five points, one assist, and six rebounds. The only one I will say that I can understand getting his share of those minutes is the last name you mentioned. Ozer oh, no, Thompson. he should have He's only and, – and he only got – Nine minutes. I mean, he's a young player. Put him out there. Yep. He's you know, got I'm not saying, but you're playing these other guys. Yep. You're playing these other guys all these minutes, and Marcus Sasser, 10 minutes, didn't get a stat. Maybe a couple fouls. That's hard to do. Um, yeah. Uh, Wiseman gets two rebounds. That's it in 12 minutes and no points, no assists. He's tall as shit. Yep. You think maybe the ball would fall into his hands. I mean, Alec Burke's playing 25 minutes because who else? Right, uh, it's it's. This miserable. is when you know You're your right. franchise is hard fucked. to look. When Alex Burks is on it, figure something out. Right? Yeah, because he's one of these That's guys true. that is always a net negative, um, but puts up a highlight and looks like he plays good fundamental basketball when he doesn't actually do that. Um, I don't know what he does. I mean, he's he's a he's an absolute mess. He fills a box um, score if you don't look at plus minus. 
Yeah, he's that that team. I mean, you're right. And if anyone gets hurt, I mean, it's, it's over. You know, I mean, I can't imagine. What if Cade got hurt? I mean, that's just a unfathomable thing to consider. Now, I know now, this is unfair, um, but do we like everybody's giving Cade a pass? But the issue I have has he actually given as much to his team as these other rookies? Say a Chet Holmgren, not a, a Victor Wembanyama, but like, is he showing those flashes where he can take a team on his back? Now I know he doesn't play that same position, and every position in the NBA is is different. But you would expect over the course of the past twenty seven games, if he is as good as what people say, he should have been able to put them on his back in one of these games. I know you mentioned forty odd points and played all the second half. But you've watched Luca do this on a bad Dallas team, and I know Luca's a whole different class, but I just don't think Cade is as good as what people say. I think you put him on a good team and he's going to be a 14-4-4 a four and four guy. Maybe. I mean, and that'd be fine for him. I think he'd, I think he'd love that right now. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, I think it's, it might be too hard to tell. I mean, he's, he's either Corey Mag- like I leveled up Corey Maggetti or he's – Probably more like um, somewhere in between those two things, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think he's a more um, he's more physical uh, than Zach Levine, um, and he's a better he's a he's a worse shooter, but a better um, playmaker for sure. Uh, that's Zach's problem is he fucking he can score. You know what I mean? Yep. There's really not much else you're gonna get out of him. I don't know. I think it's so hard when these guys are in, on the most miserable possible team to sit here and try to tell. Yeah, um, I know. And, but I agree with with you. And, and I do think last night, if you watch the highlights from last night, he was really amazing. Uh, he does have an offensive, impressive offensive and athletic skill set that I think would be useful for a team uh, as a as a number three guy, especially at this point in his career. He's still a little young, but. Um, he just needs to learn how to win. He doesn't have it. I mean, he's never. He, they've won. They haven't won ten games this year in the calendar year. They yep. won nine games this year since January one. You know, <laughs> it's just crazy to think about. You know, it's wild, but they suck yep. ass. It is, um, and frankly, as a Bulls fan, I mean, I hate ruining these guys' careers, but uh, it is kind of funny to watch the Pistons suck ass. I mean, yeah, I just want to push back on needs to learn how to win. Though, because we saw when um, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid got together at the 76ers, instantly they were better. Um, you see that with Shea Gildress Alexander. He came off a pretty me- mediocre Clippers team, got to OKC, started to learn how to win. I think it's something that 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 you you come born with. And... and I think I am being too harsh. Let's be honest. I, I do think I am being too harsh because I look at uh, the losing of Victor Wimbanyana and I don't think that's a bad thing. But Kate had another couple of years in the league. That's that's the big difference. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's definitely got some – I mean, listen, getting seven assists on the Pistons a game where nobody can do anything is pretty good. He's, his playmaking <laughs> must be pretty good. If yep. you can manage to get set, pass the ball seven times and it allows someone else to score, 
I mean, there's 43 minutes being taken up by guys who scored a total of five points. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty tricky to make the right pass to these guys and something good happens, you know. Imagine on a good team, you could be getting a double-double, you know, easily. You know, 18 and eighteen and 12 or something like that, you know. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it's tough. But they suck really, really, really bad. And I would say the most likely win for – I don't think they're going to lose 32 in a row. It's not impossible, obviously. Uh, I like them to muster out that win at home against Toronto here in a couple days, or maybe I, I like your guess, Tony. I like that Golden State. Yep, I like that Golden State. The Golden State uh, hits hits the rock bottom by losing to the Pistons. <laughs> well, put some money on that for me. Put a fiver on it for me. All right, I'll make Tyler do it. They're not giving me that in Vegas, so I got to make uh, Tyler get on Illinois it. do it. So, yeah, get on it, buddy. All right. How was that for timing? Are you Perfect. Ahead? How about some Discord chatter? Uh, we did have um, now this. I guess this was since we recorded last. Nick Torque picking up the Brewdog Aldi. Aldipa, Aldipa. How do you say that? Now it's an Aldi specific beer. Aldi, Aldipa. That's how uh, I would say Twelve bucks a four pack. Now he's gotten some of this Brew Dog uh, beer here. Now uh, I didn't get to Aldi in time to get mine. Say what you want about the owner, but at twelve bucks for a four pack, I'll get some of these at twelve. Twelve Australian for a four packing. That's about nine dollars US. Uh, or so, yep. maybe even less, eight fifty. Eight fifty. Uh no I think tax. I'd be getting that too. I'd be curious about it. I love the can art. I love the design. And uh Nick says it's a good session IPA. Uh it's about four percent. Stone fruit, grapefruit, and piney flavors are really drinkable. Fifty bucks for a slab. Can you beat that? That's pretty dang good. Um now. Uh, Nick also posted that he had the gin advent calendar. Well, no, his wife Bailey's had the knockoff gin. calendar. His wife, sorry. Yes. Um, she just, uh, she, they opened every box and put them in the fridge to pick and choose. I think that's great, but I think it might have sent Nick into a, a obsessive compulsive disorder uh, panic. <laughs> uh, I, I do understand that, uh, but I also, I'll say this. Last year we got a um, advent calendar of the, are you familiar with the Bone Maman uh, jams, like the little preserves um, that have like a French-looking label on them? They sell them almost everywhere. I'm not sure if they have them there. Not sure. But they're like decent little like fruit preserves, like jams. Yep. And we got a calendar that had all the little jams in there. And uh, we didn't – it was too big to eat a whole fucking thing of Reserves every day. <laughs> so by the end of the month, we just had a fridge full of little, uh, little jams that we yep. eventually burned through uh, by mixing them into you know, whatever yogurt or toast or or whatever it is you, you do with jam. But so I had a similar situation like this, Nick. I had just fucking jelly all over my goddamn fridge, so that was cool. Now these um, adult advent calendars that you buy for yourself. Are you meant to keep up with them? This is something that I've, I've thought about because it's not just gin. There are other things. And often they, they, they're they just giving you a surprise once a day for however long the advent calendar. Not all of them run for the 25 days. But are you meant to actually consume all this stuff within that 
tight period of a day when you open it? I don't know what the etiquette is. Is guess, and I'm guess I'm asking the question honestly. To me, I wouldn't think about consuming these one at a time, one after another. I think that's that's too hard to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's the that's the challenge with things like that. So the cho- like usually you just get them with fucking little chocolates in. Yeah, you just eat the little chocolate and you're done. But getting all these things like that, yeah, I understand. I, I don't know how you just burn. Uh, I, maybe that's the the thing with the gin calendars. You can, um, take uh one down a day. I don't mind taking a beer down a day. I can handle that for yeah. Advent. That wouldn't bug me too bad. But uh, I get you. It's. Yeah. But there are Scotch calendars yeah. out there. There are ham on calendars. I, 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 there are cheese I don't know. calendars. Yeah. yeah. Ham on, like, yep. like ham, like Serone, yeah. Serrano ham. Serrano ham and stuff. <laughs> I sort of want that one. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yeah, but I want to put um, four days together and have like a cheese platter and a ham on and pate. Yeah, that's true. And... I get, yeah, you're going to want to have the whole thing. I understand yep. what you're saying. So we have um, Corey here with some news from the – no, we posted. We talked about this. The UAE's first uh, brewery. We already did all this. Let's move on to – we had Dayton. Dayton uh, has recently come out of administration with their yep. family still uh, uh, in control. That's good news about Dayton, who I know had gone into administration while we were in um, while we were in Australia. So they're coming out of it pretty quick. Yeah, it seems yeah. like there are two breweries where that's happened recently. Of course, Bad Shepherd went into administration, and then I think they came out while you're in Australia. So one yeah, one came out, so. one went in, and now they're both out, and it's sort of good to see that they've been able to restructure, uh, pay off their debt, and uh, now moving forward, hopefully, to a stable, long-term uh, place in the industry. Their apple brandy barley wine was fantastic, very delicious. It, it really was. I've still got one of those. Um, Nick continuing his tour of various breweries. Uh, he went to what used to be Social Bandit Brewing and is now Bowler Road Brewing, but said the beer is nothing quite uh, to shout about at this point. Uh, hung out at the Jameson Brewery at the uh, camping out at Mount Samaria State Park with a nice plowman's platter here. That looks delicious. Max allotment with a solid kill shot from the Festivus celebration here <laughs> in the States. He highlights a barrel-aged Abraxas from 2014. Wow. I, I, I'm surprised that still has any of the taste. Huh. 2016 Bourbon County. Um, I think that was the year. I can't remember if it was 15 or 16 was the year of infection. So hopefully it sounds like that <laughs> one came out fine. And 2018 Cane, BA Sunday Brunch, and some delicious Prairie Christmas Bomb. Those are all great beers. I see some Hardywood Park in here. I see some DuPont. I see some Cartons in here. Uh, uh, what else we got? CBS in here from Founders. Howden Carolus. Uh, no, that's Corson Donk. We have Delirium Noel. Yeah, great stuff. Great, great, great stuff in this. Very good. Very good stuff, Max. Thank you. Uh, we did have the closing of Metropolitan, uh, our friend W. Tude's morning there, uh, disappearance. Um, uh, so they went They went out. I think the last day for them was the 17th of December. And I should get myself uh, some cans from them that I'll be sipping through over the next few weeks. You can't let them go. I want to hold on to them forever, but you can't. 
they will not taste good. So no, they you got to drink through your pilsners, your pilsners, and your zwickles. Uh, Max drinking some carton. As always, I'm jealous. This is a uh, some grisette that spent a year oh, in the cellar called an iota. So I love a grisette. Looks delicious. Looks fantastic. Oh, look at me. I posted up some stuff. I had the uh, menu from Off Color Mousetrap, which was a killer menu, Tony. Uh, a number of great things on this list. I think my my choices were the... Uh, uh, I had the... No, not that one. The Chicago Craft Gin Week, the Gin Barrel Age Farmhouse Blend. And then I also had the... Uh, not that one, not the Predator. Oh, the the Meissenplatz, which was um, one they had done with a brewery from Arizona that had a Saguaro um, in it, which was kind of cool. It was delicious. Sounds cool. Uh, I'm not going to read all this, but Nick going through his can vent box. Uh, yep. I think the highlights here, the Deed Sticky Toff. Yep. Sticky Toffee Pastry Stout. That sounds good. Tony, I'm not sure if you ever got your hands on that. No, a lot of these are exclusive to the uh, to the box. Damn. That sounds good. I love Sticky Toffee. What about Day 19? Sticky Toffee Pudding, great thing. Bourbon Barrel Aged Cherry Sour. Bourbon Barrel Aged Cherry Sour from Pikes in South Australia. Uh, I love that. I love that can art with the pixel, like the 8-bit... Um, or crocheted, maybe not like uh, or um, cross stitched cherries or whatever yep. those are on there. Kind of cool. Uh, he keeps chewing through it. The Hawker's Bourbon Barrel Age Black Barley Wine on door twenty four. That's the final day of the uh, of the Box. calendar there, uh, Christmas Eve. Now that's a one hell of a uh, ender. Uh, I also am jealous a little bit of the Cherry Cola. Oh, he said it was terrible. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm not jealous of that one. Uh, that sounds good to me, though. I love a cherry cola. I love a cola beer idea. It just never seems to be working out. But uh, Very cool. I sent a couple more menus in from Chicago, too. Had to post menus. A menu from Workforce, a highly undervalued Chicagoland brewery that won many FOBAB awards for both their farmhouse and fruited and barrel-aged beers, uh, barrel-aged stouts recently. As well as Art History, who is a great lager specialist, out in Geneva, far west suburbs, uh, who's doing a ton of different loggers. Max asking for a smoke porter and check pills. And yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, you put it out there. You know what? Next time you're in town, put that my father-in-law's tab. No problem. Uh, now Nick posted um, in the Australian trip about Fox Friday, which have recently opened their tap room in Melbourne. It looks to be going gangbusters and it looks to be a really nice Melbourne tap room. You sort of have an idea of the quality of Melbourne tap rooms. It seems to be almost rivaling somewhere between Moondog and Deeds in its sort of quality and, and sort of approach. Looks like a big, beautiful place for sure. I'm looking at the, uh, at the pictures of it now. Um, looks like a real stunner in here. Uh, love all the dark wood. Uh, I don't know much about the food. Pictures of the food looks good, too. I don't know. I'm sure it's going to take them a little bit to get dialed in on all that stuff. But Yeah, but they're probably using uh, Tasmanian sure. ingredients, which are always bangers. So I'm not sure. I um, wonder if I can get my hands on their beer list here. Uh, I'm not sure what they're I, – I did see some very fruited sour already. This Stuntman uh, well, is already a great beer, so if they've got that on tap. Get your hands on that. Now show me. 
Show me a tap list now. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, untapped. Great. Um, yes. Show it to me. <laughs> We're both doing the same thing. Okay. Yes. Uh, no, it's not uh, there. Oh, uh, Melbourne. Okay, Melbourne. Friday, Melbourne. Let's find it. Okay, come on. No, there's no menus. <laughs> tap room menu, download. Let's send me your un- Here we Let's go. Send me to your damn. Okay, I've, uh, I found it. Oh, no, that's the wine and the cans, not their tap list. Uh, food-wise, though, we've got oysters, pretzels, Texas chili. Good. Um, All right. Food and balls, um, sausages, links, chicken tenders. Can't go wrong with chicken tenders at a brewery. And burgers. Um, They're doing a whole smoked cauliflower, which sounds delicious. I would try that. Yeah, it sounds good. Yep. So pretty standard uh, yeah. um, brewery fare, but they need to live. The brewery the has game. a good over, overall rating on Untapped, 3.96. They do some bangers. For, for them. But uh, there is no menu on here. Nope. Recent check-ins, we have uh, Shallow Patch. Uh, Shallow Patch is a American brown ale. Great. Uh, we know Kelowatt would be all over that. That's yep. good. Uh, we have Code of Silence, which is a hazy IPA, double New England hazy IPA. I uh, definitely see some serious haze on that. Uh, we have a few hazy IPAs, it looks like, in the pictures here. And, uh, yeah, seems like they've got a good thing going. So next time I'm there, I'll be checking this out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, looks, look at that. Uh, all right. So what else? Uh, okay, we have a... Good question in the mail keg here. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. What would the Home Alone Paris trip cost today? We did the math. So three travel experts have calculated the price of the McAllister's disastrous vacation. Now, what do we got here? Uh, so they now this is the first unbelievable part. I'd like to throw this out there. Okay. Um, and, and as this gets mentioned, and I was watching this in the movie when Kelly and I were watching it earlier this year uh, or this December, and uh, they leave the house, and Uncle Frank mentions that there's only 45 minutes till takeoff. So that <laughs> that drive from Winnetka to O'Hare, I would argue, would take at least 40 minutes or 35 minutes. Okay. Uh, there is no way they're unloading. Uh, 12 kids or 12, 14 people or whatever it was getting all their bags out, getting through even security in 1990 and then, and then getting on the plane. I just don't, I just don't believe it. Um, so we're saying the airport transfer, that one right there, you're looking at $264. Uh, that's pretty bad. You got the flights for 15 people, about 25, a little over $25,000. Uh, the emergency flights home, $400 to $500, excluding bribes. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last-minute flight home for the whole family, at least $1,500. Give me a break. But this says about twenty eight grand for the whole thing. I don't believe it for a second, even in 1990. I think that's coming in at, at you know, 30 35 And I think it, the price – oh, this was supposed to be the price of it today. Yes. Yeah. This is meant to be the adjusted price. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> but oh no way! Fuck off with that. That's but, that's an unbelievable. Okay, Absolutely but this not. this goes back. What you're forgetting? This is a male keg. Um, you got lost in the weed. This is a male keg question. What Corey wanted to know: What is more believable? Um, that it only cost twenty eight thousand dollars today, or that not a soul has. Uh, pull that not, not a single up person a, wakes a, up before 8 a.m. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think the price. <laughs> I no way. They're I think it's shocking ridiculous. that people. They're both pretty ridiculous. Um, maybe there was a carbon monoxide leak in the house. I don't know exactly what I was uh, going to say. That's really right. the and, only and just could not reason. get everybody awake. Yep. But there's no way twenty eight grand. Uh, I mean, with fifteen people. Uh, I just don't. I just don't buy it on a I, I, on a flight that's on uh, that's around the holidays. Uh, absolutely not. I just don't. I just don't believe it. Um, so I, I agree with. I, I'm I'm riding with Corey on this one. I I think Corey means that the price is more unbelievable. I'm assuming that's what he thinks because 28 grand is stupid. There's no way. But both ideas um, are, are, are fundamentally flawed. Now, if you are, were a Judicious shopper, could you get it done in today's money for for that many people? Thirty eight US, yeah. And I like think they the came from really a nice house. Me were that the emergency flights were only fifteen grand? I don't know. What, are, are you flying with the nicest airline on the planet? What the hell is wrong with you? I, or fifteen? Sorry, fifteen hundred. I just don't. No way. No way. Um. All right, Corey also posts up in the in the kitchen uh, that there is the new Ego boozy brunch in a jar, sip and cream. Now <laughs> I have interacted with sip and cream in the past. I have really not drank it. I've seen it. Uh, I've oh. had friends bring it over to me. Uh, there is the boozy brunch in a jar, sip and cream. Uh, I I am afraid to drink it. You can. Uh, it's it's very gross. You can look in the bottom. Of the sip and cream, and you can see like the pieces of random seasonings and junk that sit in the bottom. It looks very nasty. Um, and uh, they okay, so they're calling it Ego Nog, a cinnamon and nutmeg spice drinks, and uh, it is just creamy goop. It's so nasty looking, dude. I don't know how to explain this stuff, but yes, uh, I don't know where it should go. I don't think it belongs on planet Earth, frankly. Uh, I, I would. It combines the flavors of buttered waffles, savory bacon slices, and a drizzle of maple syrup. Get the fuck out of here! Right. Disaster. And then, last thing, wanted to cover this in the show chat. Uh, actually, I have two more things I want to hit. Uh, yep. We do have a post from Max Allotment that he did drink the Great Lakes BA Christmas Ale, and he doesn't like the original. But he loved the barrel age, or uh, liked the barrel age, said it was excellent. And a nice change of pace between all the monster stouts and boozy Christmas Belgians. So I tend to agree with that idea. I did not find any of that in Chicago, unfortunately. So uh, maybe another year I'll get my hands on that. And then I did want to respond to Grammar Purist here on the gambling channel about the current odds as to who will be on the Epstein list, Tony. Okay. So we have, uh, uh, will any current congressman be on there is actually plus odds, plus 110. 
<laughs> no is minus 150. I mean, I'm going on yes all day with that, right? Well, like Gates is too young to be on the Epstein list. Um, wouldn't they Maybe. be found out by now with politicians? Because there's so much oppo research going on. You got Hillary plus 300. Don Jr. is plus 300. Rudy's plus 300. The fact that any of those three are plus odds is kind of amazing. Uh, Newsom plus a thousand. After the, yeah, I think after those three, it gets a little more long shotty. Newsom plus a thousand. Yeah, but I Cuomo would believe plus 1, 000, like, that's not bad. Com- Cuomo um, and N- Newsom before some of these others. Like DeSantis, no. As much as I hate him, no, he's not. He just doesn't run in in the high enough circles. Jared um, Kushner, no, he would creep, keep his creepy shit. Behind doors. Mitt Romney is an interesting one, but I don't think so. I think his no. creepy thing is all the just normal Mormon creep <laughs> shit. Yes. Um, Obama plus 1,600. I mean, that's only that low because of his association with Hillary. Um, uh, I think Cuomo is a good one. I could get I yep. could get on the Cuomo train for plus 1,000. Brandon oh. plus 1,000 either. I don't know about that. <laughs> I I I do like um yeah um Cuomo and and Gavin Newsom they're the two that I like out of that but in the wrong area of the country really for uh, Epstein he was he was a West Coast almost uh, sorry almost, East Coast Cuomo's New York yeah no West Coast Newsom's West Coast Cuomo's New York yeah sorry um, Epstein was an East Coast guy mainly Florida. Right, and, he's uh, on the, all the, New York. Up the East Coast. There you go. Uh, well, that's the Discord. If you guys want to get on the Discord, just give us a shout uh, on our Instagram, Beer Engine Pod. Send me an email, show at gmail.com, or just click the link at the bottom of our website, beerengineshow.com. It looks like a subway controller. <laughs> We got to talk about this. You posted it um, after our last show. Uh, the chocolate chip banana bread cocktail at Liquid Diet. Oh how yeah, that place is so good. How was it? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, so good. I usually am not crazy about these it, a sweet drink like this, but it was so boozy. It had like a nice bitter kick to it. Liquid Diet is the best new bar in town. Uh, they just do. They do a whole new menu every week. It's run by a guy uh, from the aviary and another fellow who had been in the um, he'd been like doing uh, in the in the performance industry here in the in the show um, community doing doing running shows here. And these guys opened this bar. It's got sort of a industrial postmodern vibe to it, loft vibe to it. And they have a whole new menu every week. They're making everything, all their own infusions, all their own juices. They're, they're making their own ice. They're, like, cutting their own ice out of these big blocks. Um, they are uh, uh, making their own sodas, uh, making all their own spices, all this stuff. They're, they're doing it all by hand. And all the drinks are under 20 bucks. most of them under 15 bucks. So I uh, highly recommend this. I also had the Walnut Manhattan, which was stupid good, too. Um, so highly recommend Liquid Diet here in town. Uh, you just got to go uh, down a slightly creepy alley uh, <laughs> to get there, but really not too bad. Not far from Silver Stamp. Now, I don't have a sound to play, but we also have a potpourri. I didn't realize we had a Quora post. 
Oh yeah. Yes, you I did. I want to read this one. Um, I don't know if I want to read this one out loud, but <laughs> you have to. Uh, there is some. If uh, so, it's so coded though. Uh, this is a guy, Dennis Manning, my 14 year old son support, sorry, my 14 year old Trump supporting son watched sound of freedom 88 times. What should I, as a Biden supporting mom do? Uh, and whatever the answer is, some is like absolutely oblivious to the joke, like the shitty joke (laughs) that was made in that. And gang, if you don't know what the joke was. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not, I don't know if I, I don't think I want to repeat what the joke is, uh, but the numbers in there are, are 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 heavily coded, very Nazi coded. We'll say. Um, so, uh, pretty, but but my point being is like yeah. maybe these are answered by bots, but even surely bots would pick up on this shit. But like this is asked by like a man talking about his son. As a female, forget about the numbers and their association and the stuff that's mentioned in it, but surely that verbiage mixed with the name Dennis would ring alarm bells? Yeah. It, yeah, I, um, it's all uncomfortable. To, I didn't care for this uh, <laughs> Dennis Manning fellow. I'm not, I, um, I do like this just uh, very blanket state. Like, Trump wanted policies in place to combat child trafficking, and Biden policies have made child trafficking worse. What, and what am I supposed to say? That, okay. What does that mean? <laughs> Nothing. I love that. Just like th- this. Is, here's a true statement. Uh, <laughs> child trafficking is worse now. I don't know if I believe that. Why would I believe that? Well, because uh, it hasn't changed. Just, Fundamentally... It's, it's a, exactly the same as it was yeah. all as it ever was. I don't know what you're talking about, but whatever. Trump wanted policies in place. Yeah, sure he did. Uh, all right, that's enough. That's enough Discord for now. Uh, Tony, let's do the logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week. Ooh, it's going to be an easy choice for me, actually, Tony. I got to go with the Ida Metropolitan Flywheel. Uh, I just have to give it to him because of the, you know what? It's sort of a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yep. I, I did drink some other great lagers. I had a um, I had a Goldfinger Pills, which honestly might have been the best lager I drank, right? If we just want to say the very best lager I drank. This isn't called best logger of the week. It's just called logger of the week. No, it's called Griff's logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week is is the now defunct uh, from the now defunct Metropolitan, and it is uh, of course uh, flywheel the Pilsner. But I do want to shout out the Goldfinger Pills for being amazing, as well as the Art History Gravitas Czech Pills, both excellent loggers in their own right. Uh, maybe with a uh, the Goldfinger one. I always love the Goldfinger beers. But uh, what we'll miss about Revolution is that they presented those beers with very little pretension around lager making. Metropolitan, sorry, yep. Uh, has not not a very pretentious selling of lager, whereas, and I mean this with all the respect in the world, with, with both Dovetail and Goldfinger, there is a that 
uh, you know, the long write-up about, you know, my trip, my first trip to, to Germany. I learned about decoction, mashing, or, and so and on. I frolicked through the paddocks of malt. <laughs> right. before that Barley before they were malted. The, um, and the I was just inspired of, of, of by roasting you. malts just filled my sensory palate to a, to a yeah. degree that I had never experienced before. Is this the sort of stuff we're and, talking about? Exactly. And all that could be true about, um, especially uh, uh, the, the two, you know, Tracy and um, I can't remember uh, her, uh, whichever the other Hearst um, who make the, who make the beer. They're very experienced beer makers they might have that same feeling, but pretty much they put lager in a can and said, drink up, bitch, you know, and I always appreciated that, and it was very affordable lager that tasted really good. Sometimes you just want that, and uh, you don't want to be spending time analyzing the the, um, the depth of one's experience the last time that they witnessed the decoction mash at Pilsner or Kell or some shit, you know. Uh, let's just move on, you know. It's good. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, we're going. We're yep. going with flywheel. It's a great one. What do you think, Tony? Logger of the week. Um, mine is is not so pretentious as even yours at Metropolitan. Mine's from um, a massive brewery that just pumps out the same beer all the time, and it's um, it was the uh, Hofbrau um, Fest beer that they put out this year, which is a beer that they put out every year. Um, Really delicious. Got it at Aldi. Um, yeah, really enjoyed uh, it this time of year. Delicious. Yeah, Opera is a great brewery. They do a yep. great job. All right, how about the beers of the week? Tony, tell us what you got. Okay. Um, there's a brewery near to me, not not near near, but near to me, uh, Goodland Brewing. I've mentioned them quite a few times. They're from Terelgan. Um, we didn't get a chance for you to get there, but they do great stuff. They had a, a great Christmas IPA, um, red IPA. I could fit in. I could fit down the chimney. I was about to put in a Santa there that didn't exist, but there is a red hat on the label. That was pretty delicious. But to me, the more outstanding beer was their um, uh, Hefeweizen, uh, Weiss or, or something like that, something similar. Often have German names to them. But it is the best, um, not Hefeweizen I've ever had, but the best craft Hefeweizen I've ever had. It was delicious with everything in proportion. I often think craft gets too sweet and too sickly or they don't push the flavours enough. This is close to Weinstefana. It's that yeah, fucking all good. Right. Hell yeah. That's great. Tony, uh, I have a number of great beers I had in Chicago. I was talking about the off-colour beers. They are both wonderful. Uh, some good stuff at Art History, uh, and uh, you know, but I and the side projects I had the other day, uh, hanging out with our pals. Excuse me, but the one I did want to shout out, uh, maybe not as the um, signature beer of the week, but I did drink it and enjoy it quite a bit. 
on Christmas Day, we did drink the Ramjet. Ooh. This year's Ramjet by Boat Rocker. Uh, I have another can of it, thank goodness. It's wonderful. It tastes of, uh, it has that non-ad, like delightful non-adjunct, slightly dry, but heavily barreled uh, taste that Stout used to have in a bygone era. Uh, you get some of the like even dried fruit flavor. Yeah, from the malt. It, uh, Love it. As it warms up, it's, I mean, that's EJCP guideline to a T <laughs> if you want to talk about Imperial Stout. So much respect for that. But I got to say, I think it's hard not to say the best thing I had this week was the double barrel VSOD by Revolution. <laughs> Finally got to bust a can open. Uh, 17.9%. Oh, easy uh, drinker. It's a, it's, it Get splits that three ways. Um, no adjuncts on this. Uh, concentrate. It's a, a foreboding incantation of swirling malt, spirit, and oak. Concentrated over several years in our most prized bourbon barrels. This is a multi-year uh, double barrel stout. Uh, Tony, I five-starred this. It's got 1,200 ratings already, the 2023. Tony, what do you think the rating is at this one? Oh, dude, this is a hard one. I'm probably going to overrate it, but I'm going to go 4.58. Yeah, you just made it. It's 4.67 for that one. That's really Ooh. good for that many ratings for sure. That's where I wanted to go, uh, but I thought, no way. That, that's going to be rated that highly. Wow. That's, that's I did cool. get my hands on a couple sips of the 2023 Benthic. Haven't opened any yet, um, but it's it's also wonderful. And unfortunately for it, it's nowhere close to uh, – <laughs> Uh, the DBVSOD, totally different. It's sweet. It's got the coconut. Uh, I love it. It's such a fun beer to drink, but DBVSOD is like, uh, I, I go back to the, um, succession thing that where Brian Cox is telling people that they're not serious people. And I, I feel like DBVSOD may be the first beer I've ever had where I'm like, this is a, this beer is serious. This beer is, yep. <laughs> this is the take care of shit beer. Um, it is cleaning up, uh, uh, for all of our other mistakes. I don't know. It's just incredible. I am excited for this variant of Benthic though, Tony, that I picked up. I forgot to mention this, the immortal Benthic which is bourbon barrel aged between 10 and 33 months blend uh, with the coconut and coffee. I can't wait to get my, uh, can't wait to get my lips around that one. Huh, Tony? (laughs) Sounds delicious. You have some amazing beer drinking um, coming up. Put that blast and uh, chill yourself down. So that stout tastes correct to the season. Thank God. Thank God I'm not like working for the next week or so. So or else I'd be. You got some time trouble. off. I also pick. Look at you. I also pick. Well, there's just nothing going on. I'm really just not doing anything more than anything. But um, there's a. Uh, we just had some friends in town who brought me some Pliny the Elder too. So I got Pliny the Elder sitting in the house right now too. Oh, Throw that in the mix. So good. I know. Crazy. All right. Why don't we do some hyper beer nerd dork shit news? Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Oh, thank God. Bud Light. Uh, beer sales plunged to lowest levels in 24 years thanks to Bud Light's disastrous Dylan Mulvaney campaign. 
This is from the New York Post. They just could not resist before the end of the year taking one more shot at Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney. The the frankly at this point, I mean I don't know anything about Dylan Mulvaney other than she's huh? a, a transgender influencer. Yep. She's just in the crossfire of this shit now, right? So why are we taking shots at Dylan Mulvaney in December of 2023? This was yes, because eight, nine months ago. <laughs> and anything that happened subsequently from sending her the cans, it really isn't her fault. She's got nothing to do with how Bud then handled the controversy. Something just got it. shipped to that to her. Yeah. What? And it's, but you've got to remember this is a Rupert Murdoch. Um, tabloid. So, of course, they're going to use the trans angle to try and shame somebody who who got sent something for free and then it got picked up by a couple of assholes. Um, And then it was mishandled by AB InBev. They say their name 11 times throughout this article, I think. Oh, no. Well, that's good. Some of these are from the comments. Oh, my God, maybe I should read the comments. That's a great idea. Um. Oh, this is a funny article. Teamsters approved strike against Anheuser-Busch months after Dylan Mulvaney controversy. What is that? I get that's, that's, a, that's, even, that's a stretch. Totally unrelated. It's a contract. Anyway, sales have dec- they declined more than 5% in the first nine months. Okay, we've already done all this. And Bud Light sales have declined. And uh, the argument the article makes, not disagreeing with, is that since Bud Light has uh, chased people away purportedly through their uh, whatever it is. I mean, honestly, they have because, they, as we recall, they mishandled this in, in such a spectacular fashion that it alienated almost everybody on the planet in one way or another. Uh, so if people are leaving Bud Light, some of them are leaving for non-beer product uh, would be my guess, right? Yep. Some of them are saying, damn, I really don't give a shit about this Bud Light. Uh, I could actually get some of these RTDs. Or I could get seltzer. Or I could get, um, you know, maybe I like these high noon vodka things. I actually tried one of those a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, whatever it is you're into, that's just like your day-to-day drinker. Some Bilsons. I, maybe I like wine. You know, Bilsons, whatever. They're just shifting to something else. Yep. Or, you know, uh, purportedly, which I, I've heard dis- uh, disagreements on this, that uh, Gen Z uh, and, and millennials are just less interested in drinking anything. Which could be absolutely the case, and they might be shifting to liquid death or whatever. You know, I don't know. Um, now, uh, so do I. Now, there's the, the, on two sides of this, and, and the other interesting part is that this fellow Craig Purser of the National Beer Wholesales Association says this is an industry-wide five-alarm fire that there's been this decline uh, in overall beer sales, while a Molson, a Molson Coors spokesman says it's not so much a beer problem as it is a Bud Light problem. So Now, is it a five alarm or people... is it like a Simpsons five alarm? You know, it was, mm. until they put two, that temper. Two and a half tops. Yeah. yeah, two and a half tops. Now, there is a great comment here. Um, if you go into the comments right to the very you bottom by, by Fred Licker, I think it will um, it'll warm the cock and cockles of your heart. Because uh, I think it is thoroughly said in jest. Maybe it's not. Red liquor. Uh, Post censors everything I write. Yeah, uh, under support the, your local uh, brewers. There are more than 10,000 beer labels in the country. 99% of them are better. 
Great idea. I only drink Yingling since Dick Yingling told his employees he would liquidate the business for the benefit of the shareholders if they joined the Teamsters. Strong millionaires never let the mafia rob them. All right. Interesting. Fred Liquor. Um, now, Liquor is spelled like L-I-C-K. Yep. Um, uh, so that's cool. Uh, we do have... Uh, also, there are so many comments on this, dude. Is this what people do all day? They come yes. and post comments on the New York Post? And only old people do it. There are 894 comments. There are 13 new since I, I clicked this article open. Daniel DeVito. You mean DeVito. The- come on, people. Uh, beer is poison anyway. I do drink, but poison is what it is. Hey, uh, I think the sales declines are more the result of weed becoming more popular. Beer in bars is 8x what you can get it for in the grocery store. So poor people stop going to bars and then stop drinking. I only drink in bars. I drink three times a week in Mexico. You did spell misspell Mexico. Mexico. For $2 beers, have not paid for a beer in USA in years. Well, maybe three beers in the last three years while I'm in USA most of the year, sir. Good. Well said. You know what I find weirder than, like, righties trying to justify (laughs) or just commenting on this story is, like, people that are of the left, like, trying to, like, create arguments. Well, they get in here and try to post about it, yeah, Yeah. and try to, like, convince them otherwise. I I just don't know what. you got to be nuts. Yeah, this this one's Um, my favourite. It's, uh, good job, righties. You smashed an American business in favour of foreign ones. Great work. And the reason I paused is because there was and instead of an, uh, and that was confusing. But, like, what is that going to achieve in the comments? What All of this is just such – I mean, I'm if, far be it for me to tell people what's a waste of time or not. But um, this is – I just can't imagine spending my time doing this. Great job. Um, I guess the story people. shows just – how far people, how far companies will go to virtue signal. Gillette was the first, and they paid a hefty price for that. I, I don't know what Gillette did. Yeah, like I, I heard um, Buffalo, Di- Budweiser, Disney, Target, NFL, NH- NHL, <laughs> uh, Ford, GM, Chrysler all followed them all over the, cr- the cliff. Moral being rich doesn't mean you are smart. Well, I mean, I, hard to argue that. Yes. Yeah. And of course, um, Ford famously, um, white company right there, Ford Land. Uh, Henry Ford, huge lefty, huge lefty. You're right. (laughs) President Calvin Coolidge said it best 100 years ago when he said, the business of American business is business. I'm going to be honest with you. I would like to, not to to do American history schooling, but if we're going to talk about presidents that made good economic decisions, we're going to put Calvin Coolidge at the very bottom of that list as he essentially ushered in the Great Depression. So, Coolidge, you are, we are not doing economic advice the Coolidge administration, just for the record. Anyways, we're going to move on. I know our listeners came here to listen to me rant about Calvin Coolidge. We're just going to have to cut it off and talk about... This article from VinePair, you know I love VinePair. It's a content fucking, uh, what's a lot of content? Waterfall? How about that? Faucet? Faucet. Sure. I turn, the, I turn the tap on. Content flies out. It's yep. the best. 
This is from my guy, Nico Chromidas. Uh, it was published, oh my God, today, Tony. Wow. Published today. You yesterday are on the tippy the top of these um, content farms. Way to go. This is the 19 best new breweries of the year, according to Beer Pros. Let's go through them. We can give our listeners some advice as to where they should go when they're in the States. Actually, most of this will just be advice for our friend Max Allotman, who I think lives the closest to most of these. <laughs> so let's start with the first one. Hot Plate Brewing Company in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. They are making a wide range of styles, including some Belgians. So there's one. This is all from other beer pros. This was recommended by a guy from Lost Shoe Brewing in Marlboro, Mass. Yep. Now this one I've heard of, Tony. The second one down is mostly the reason I wanted to point this out. Gold, this is Gold Brewing. I like to do it the Brazilian Gold way. Gold Brewing is is from the former Moxa, a fellow who ran Moxa in San Diego area. Moxa was doing um a lot of big stouts and and some IPAs, and they were always at Copenhagen. The goal is is a has been a big thing, and we had some friends who just recently visited their tap room and said it was excellent. Great lager, great IPA, and then these monster stouts. Um, I'm very excited to check this place out next time I'm I'm in San Diego. So goal is uh, is one for everyone to keep their eyes on. After that, we get to Blind House Beer. Now this shit looks good to me, Tony. I don't know if we have anybody who's in. Virginia uh, in, is in Roanoke, but these guys are making European farmhouse beers. And it's a bit, like it's a big fuck. Yeah. From old yep. and, and young Tony. Yes. Uh, young you know, Tony I love some farmhouse. We've got uh brewery St. X in new Orleans. Uh, this is, Oh yeah. Uh, this is, uh, has something to do with the neighborhood restaurant group, which runs Church Key and Grand Delancey in New York City, both places I've been to. Um, so I suspect this place is an excellent place as well. Uh, we have a lager brewery in Seattle called Douglas. I'm 100% behind this. Yep. Uh, next time I'm in Seattle, I'll have to check that out. Uh, Schenker Beer Company in North Haven, Connecticut. These guys look like they're making lager too. Hell yeah, year of the lager. It's absolutely been the year of the lager, finally. <laughs> Origin Beer Project in Providence. Uh, they're doing some, looks like 3.2 English Mild and some 3.5% Czech Pale Lager. Yes. Yes, please. Hell yeah, that sounds great. Shred Brewing Company in Rockland, uh, California. So this is, uh, these guys are just making some West Coast IPA. 100% on that. I back that. Uh, Crooked Culture in Cumming, Georgia. Great name for a town. Uh, this is um, just making a, it doesn't look like they have a point of view. They're just making a bunch of delicious beer. Cool. They have a huge whiteboard of like that. Like it's a, of beers. Yeah. It's, it's nice great. to have yeah. breweries with a point of view, but it's also nice to um, rule edit sometimes. It's going to have a, a lot of different styles. Every beer was well executed, leaning dry and bitter, which is leaning, uh, which is in line with my personal proclivities. Agreed. Sounds great. Pine Street Brewing in Kansas City. Uh, these guys opened with a flagship dark lager. Wonderful. Yep. Uh, Bizarre Brewing in this Seattle. This sounds exciting. Uh, Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look at the these team. Guys, uh, these are the guys who work. They work. This couple worked together at both Fremont and Holy Mountain. 
can't think of two better breweries to have come out of to open your own place. That's going to be killer. Uh, they made, they're making a year-round Kolschweiss with lemon peel and coriander and a dry-hopped light lager. Spunded for natural carbonation. Awesome. Very cool. We have a new brewery in Hawaii. That's awesome. Uh, from in uh, Wailuku Brew Works. This is um, uh, a good, this is just good news for Hawaii. It's, it's always yep. kind of been a slightly a desolate area for breweries, so that's good stuff. Brew House in Portland. This is supposed to be a great place. They're doing Hazy IPA big time at Brew House in Portland. R.A.K. Brewing in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, these guys seem to be doing some hazy and fruited sour. Very cool. Now here's one for old Max. Carbon Copy in Philadelphia. Yep. These guys have some kick-ass looking can art, first of all, and like a good looking aesthetic, we'll say, uh, with their logo and everything. And uh, these guys are doing English Mild, Classic Lagers, IPAs, and Tart Beers. I'm going to call Wonderful, it Wonderful, low intervention... 2024, yeah. the year of the English mild. You called 2023 great... and 2022 and 2021 the year of the lager. English mild 2024, baby. I think 2024, 5, 6, and 7 could be the year of the English pub beer. Yeah, or mild beer. Yeah. Yep. Widowmaker in Brighton, Massachusetts. Uh, these guys are doing – It's uh, their vibe is stoner metal. Uh, old sci-fi flicks and skull decor, and they got a table beer and a Euro pale ale. <laughs> These breweries have some beers that I really want. This is great to see new breweries making like farmhouse lager, table beers. And this is all Euro pale, British milds in Table Max's area, up in the Commonwealth. Uh, no, in Max, Max, Max a lot. Is sorry, Max, sorry. I'm not sure if Mass is that close. Massachusetts is probably not too close, but Philadelphia is great. Uh, we have a uh, Hudson Hudson Valley Brewery here, um, Pillow and Oats in Beacon, New York. Uh, they're making looks like haze to me. Uh, we have well, Chaos I'm guessing Farm. with oats in it, they're making haze. Yeah, me too. Chaos Farm from Branford, Connecticut, uh, doing some Kolsch Pilsner New Zealand IPA. Great. And as we wind down here, we get to Oakland Tenma. Beer project in Oakland, uh, and that's it. Now uh, I do find it interesting has, uh, that one of the yeah. one of the brewers mentioned on this list for his brewery is also mentioning another brewery yep. on that this list. Because yeah, Derek is on here. Yeah, uh, Derek from Goal, formerly of Moxa. Um, yeah. Uh, what do we got? Pre pre prohibition American Pilsner. Uh, and I'm sure other oh, doesn't really say much about their other beers, but their can art looks great. Uh, you know what? I I am I know I have not been to any of these breweries yet. I will go to Goal sooner than later, but I got a back vine pair on this. I think this is compared to a lot of the lists we've read over the years know, and months this, on this show. This, this actually, looks like a pretty bomb list, honestly. <laughs> well put together and well thought out copy as well. Like it just didn't read like it was coming straight from their PR department. It actually, I might actually go back and reread this article or get this article read to me. Let me yeah, I will post this after we release the show. I'll post it in the uh, in the Discord so that it, the crew can read it if you want. But that's the 19 best new breweries. Um, and you know what? I I uh, 
I recommend you guys go check some out of these. You know, I'm, I've mentioned on this show early in our time, I think I mentioned that I'm often very skeptical of visiting new breweries. Yep. Because I feel like they, until I see something from them or I hear something about them really hitting the target on something, I don't want to be the first. I don't want to just waste, um, you know, my day going and drinking some dog shit un- under attenuated Blogger or something, or Kolsch or Blondale or some dog shit. But these 19, I think this is, this list looks good enough that I would visit any of these. Yes. If I were there, I would, I would make it a point to visit any of these breweries um, if I were in any of these towns. So, Max, if you go to Carbon Copy, give us a shout. Let us know how it is. Uh, Tell us if we're wrong about this. But Goal, I know, has been doing some good stuff. Um, And so I'll be there soon. Now, I went on to right, Muckrack yeah. about this writer, and all he seems to write about is beer, which that's a positive sign. If that's all he's doing is listicles on beers, I'm here for the way he writes. He's no Kate Bernot, um, not as prolific as what she is, but the dude loves a list around beer. So, hey, I can support that. Funny because I looked up the same name, and I didn't do it in muck, Muckrack. I looked it up just in Google, and I get a um, – Greek Orthodox uh, uh, Reverend Boston. <laughs> Excellent. I don't think you, it's probably not the same one, right? Uh, I don't know what the rules are of Greek Greek Orthodoxy. Neither um, do I. Oh well, but I'm guessing it's probably not. No, it probably doesn't seem like that. Hi, Tony. You know, I have less of a game today than a segment. Yeah. Um, but I guess the closest thing it hits to, yeah. What were you gonna say? There is an attached link. Am I meant to click on this link? Because I haven't yet. You can click on the link. You can click on the link. It's fine. Okay. There's no game attached to this. Okay. This is kind of news the game, but news. it's more like news the segment. We can use the same music, I think. Never ends, Ham. All right, let's close my tab on Cade Cunningham. Don't need that up. And uh, let's talk about this. So I uh, I thought it'd be fun here in the last show of 2023. We'd go back. I, I went hunting for some craft beer predictions. I thought we could try to uh, grade some of these predictions. Okay. Now, I, I just picked this guy's link. This is a beer professional I trust. It's from Doug Velicki. Doug is the like marketing head uh, and a uh, well-known beer pro in Chicago because uh, he's the marketing head for Revolution. Oh, and uh, okay. I believe has done some brewing for them as well. He's uh, he's working the um he's working the scene for probably the most impressive brewery in Chicago right now. Um, so he gave us a 2023 craft beer preview on a website called Beer Crunchers, which just what a name. You got to <laughs> say, Doug, maxing out his marketing brain for that one. But he uh, he gave us 23 thoughts about 2023, and I thought we could breeze through some of these and and maybe give them a... Um, I like it. You know, one to five, maybe a one to five thumbs up, thumbs down type score on whether we think these are good predictions, bad predictions, 
So um, a score out of five. Oh, shit. So five being yeah. the best, one sure. being worst. Yeah, I think that's good. And I yeah. think most of them will just do one. One will just be giving ones and fives, but otherwise we'll find out. The first three are kind of lumped together. So uh, he kind of puts these into little chunks. Uh, and his first prediction is that is is just called bet, check, or fold. And essentially what he says here, uh, and I'll summarize it for you, Tony, so I don't just read, is that breweries um, over the next 12 to 24 months, uh, he was saying this in March of this year. Yep will either uh, essentially be able to bet on themselves a little more, stay confident, continue delivering. Uh, think of maybe like a half-acre type brewery that, uh, despite the challenges in the market, they're just going to keep plowing ahead and putting out the beer that they know is hitting the target, running their tap room, stuff like that. Now we have check, uh, which means that the big breweries uh, – will try to um, essentially either take over or uh, eliminate smaller breweries. See, I feel like they've had fold. their own struggles. Exactly. And then we have number three, which is fold, which is saying that some breweries are just not delivering. They've never had enough talent. They've never had enough skill. They never built a brand that was strong enough. And we're just going to see, we're going to see a lot of these breweries, uh, Putting their hands, you know, folding their hands, yep. um, tossing them into the muck, as it were. Okay, so Tony, I'm going to write. I want you to go first. Now, that's essentially three three predictions. Yep. I'm what gonna, do you think about these? First one, I'm going to give that a two. Um, I, mm. I I I I think it's a lot uh, closer to the edge for even extremely well run businesses than what people think out there i think it's it's more challenging than you'd imagine and that's why we have places um that run into small bumps like metropolitan have to pull up sticks check i give that a one um that really hasn't come to prevail the big breweries are struggling just as much they're not going from strength to strength and the fold prediction i would give a five i think that i think that's right on the money that's a strong statement I agree with you. Uh, I think maybe I'd say slightly better for bet if I had to give a choice. And there's no, there's no. I'm not doing any math for this. This is just this is just for fun, Tony. Had a gut check. Um, I'd maybe say three for bet because I think despite Metropolitan's troubles, which I think fall a little bit. I want to say outside the realms of normal brewery problems, but a little bit. Um, I think some breweries I've seen not necessarily invest more capital. But they've stuck to their guns uh, more than you might see in challenging times. So uh, even think in Australia, a Deeds, a La Seren, uh, yeah, but- you know, breweries that even op- off color that op- that operates in a niche, yep. they're not panicking and starting to make hazy IPA because they do something else. They're mm-hmm. sticking with it and rolling ahead with what they've got. So I'm not saying that's perfect. I'd say two and a half or three on that one. <laughs> I agree with check. I don't think there's any big breweries coming for you anymore, at least yeah. not at this point. I no. think if anyone's coming for you, it's the weed company. Yep. And then I think fold is absolutely 100% true. I think that's definitely it. We're seeing that. All right. Yep. Next grouping is the state of IPA. So uh, let's just do these one at a time. These are less grouped together. So number four is called the Imperial IPA March. I get it, like the Imperial March. Yep. Uh, is that we're going to see a growth, an ongoing growth in big IPA. So um, 
We've seen New Belgium go higher with alcohol. Vugu Ranger Imperial IPA with serious growth. Um, we've seen uh, uh, maybe a resurgence in your big alcohol IPAs, um, eight, your nine, ten percent alcohol IPAs from some of our smaller breweries. Um, you know, uh, essentially, that's the argument that we're going to continue. We're going to see more of these Imperial IPAs coming out. Uh, Tony, I don't know about this one. I think this no. is a. I I, I think that I am seeing. Yeah, I think it's a three. I I've seen less. I don't think it's changed. Uh, I've That's seen more point. St- seven or eight, maybe. Um, I will say Pizza Port just dropped a new batch of Mongo, which they haven't dropped in years, it felt like. 9% tall boys of fucking Imperial <laughs> West Coast. It tastes incredible. Um, so I could see myself getting back into these, but they are hard to drink a, a whole yep. lot of, I'll say that. Yeah, I, um, okay. I, I'm going to call that a three. I don't think we've seen a shrinkage or a growth in that area. I think that particular segment of the market has stayed exactly where it is, at least the beers that I'm seeing, both locally and abroad. Uh, this one, I, I, I'm going to preview with you that I agree with this one. And this is the demise of Session IPA, that these have dropped. And yep. I think that's absolutely a five to me. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say a five. I think that's a four. I, I think it, it has dropped off um but i still think there is a want for people to buy ipa and don't want to give up that moniker um and but still want to be able to drink a couple of cans so for the most part it's dead but there's still a segment of the market out there for now we also have one here and i'm just going to throw this out i don't like this one at all uh, that there's going to be uh, Imperial Cold IPA. That's a one. A double Cold IPA. Yeah, that gets a one on me. And then this one I don't love either. Uh, this is for tweeners. So tweeners would be like a mold of a classic and a hazy IPA. Best qualities of both of those. And this one gets a one for me because, frankly, I just don't really like that type. I've had some of those that are saying they're trying to do that. Uh, where it's like a hazy West Coast or a West Coast inspired uh, juicy IPA or whatever, and now, I'll say this: Do we consider? I don't think I consider like the neo West Coast part of this. I think that's a whole other style. Yeah, that's not hazy. Uh, so I don't think this is. This doesn't ring true to me that we're but, getting a lot of this. Nor do I think it's good. But what's a tweener? Is Hetty Topper a tweener? Because that's what you're really fucking talking about, aren't you? You're talking about something well, that has a bit more balance. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get this yeah, as a prediction. Like, you can't be pushing into the sixty or seventies with your IBUs, and and having it hazy and fruity at the same time. That's a mess. Now, if you're going to have more bitterness than a lot of oat creams, yeah, those beers are still good because they've got a little bit more guts to them. They're not as yeah. sickly sweet. But that's not what we're talking about here, or are we? Uh, I, I think this this no, premise so. is flawed. Um, if they're yeah, talking about Hetty Topper, this is a two. But if they're talking about what I think they're talking about, this is a one. They're not. They're not talking about Hetty Topper. Uh, next up. Next up starts badly for Doug. He turn, says, "Turns out 2022 wasn't the year of the craft lager, and 2023 isn't going to be either." Wrong. Unfortunately, I think that is wrong. I we made that joke ourselves. Yep. That 20. That no year seems to be the year of the logger. I think this was the year, Tony. Yep. It, uh, it was. I think it was the year of the logger. Um, 
So we're just going to, that wasn't even an official prediction, but we're just going to go ahead and give that a one, yep. a zero. Uh, he was wrong on that one. Now, he talks about the growth of present-day throwbacks. So sort of these kind of vintage looking loggers. Yep. Now, uh, uh, I don't know about this. But some of these I, are I guess just I give this cool. Like a, and others that they are cool. So we... We're having more breweries. Essentially, what this is saying is uh, we're going to have more breweries making a down-the-middle American lager. Uh, and maybe, yeah. in, so, in many cases, with uh, some vintage-looking can art. I guess I give this a three. You know, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, I think that's true, but I also don't know if that was really what fueled the growth of the lager story either. Um, but I, I, that's fine. I think that's fine. But I think um, all the um, cans that he's shown there, and I know it's a selection, every one of those cans or box art is better and more engaging than what Bud Light, Miller Light, and all those guys sure. do on their cans. Like that Fair State can is a banger. So with same with that um, Bent Paddle. Yeah. Um, that's, exactly. that's a fucking banger. So I, I buy this um, a little bit. Yeah, uh, right in the I middle. Like, I like the art at least. But I don't know if this is quite as prevalent as we think. I think what they're trying to do, and he mentions this, is compete with Montucky cold snacks. I honestly have heard, I've seen a lot less cold snacks floating around this year. Maybe that's just because of me. I'm not hanging out with a lot of people drinking cold snacks, but um, I, I haven't seen as much of that anyways. Now, this might just stretch out from beyond my interaction with the lager. But I'm, so there's next two here are talking about lagers with fruit. Uh, one is saying lagers with a twist, so lime, salt, chiladas. And then the number 10 talks about lagers with mango. And, Tony, these are just not my favorite, and I haven't seen them to nearly the degree. Wow. I, earlier in the year, we started having the 805 Cerveza with lime, and I yeah. haven't seen or talked about it or witnessed anyone drinking it in months and months and months. So I think that's a one. Yeah, that's a one. Mango, you can just get out, get out of here with me. Hoppy lager. Um, so it, now this is less of a cold IPA prediction, and we'll start seeing more hoppy lagers. I don't know how to quantify that one. I guess I agree that we have seen hoppy lagers come out, but I don't know if again, I don't know if that's the thing. Are IPLs or any of that stuff really what's no, I, I think it's I, is pills hoppy lager. I mean, it's pretty hoppy, you know. Or are we talking Italian pills? If we're talking Italian pills, this is a three. That hasn't been the growth yeah. in the lager market than that these other ones have. But has it fallen away? No, I think. And like cold IPAs, yeah, they've died away. Um, IPLs, they've died away. Italian lagers, they they're, they're fine. Um, I think it's a two and a half to three. We'll go three. I'm not going to go half points. Give me a three on that one. That's Completely really middle of the bad. road. I think that's a middle of the road one. Uh, it's funny, the, the beer this guy is pouring in this picture, it's a beer in like a Euro bottle. This hoppy lager in particular costs like $12 for that bottle. <laughs> it's, it's so expensive. Uh, I don't know why. All right, next part's about sours. Um, now, this is about... Um, what is this? Is this just all sour predictions? Oh, no, these are about barrel-aged sours. Yeah, two, two predictions. So this is saying, um, yeah, so uh, sour programs, uh, barrel-aged sours in most cases can't carry an entire brewery. 
The style's been more abandoned. Uh, it's high price point and low alcohol has low perceived value. There's not enough understanding of kind of the depth of perception of barrel aged or, or like the depth of development of barrel aged sours and what it produces, like what the point is of it. Um, boy, do I think this is true? So we have seen Black Project close. Rare Barrel got scooped up. Um, I guess you're Shut. right. I guess you're right, Doug, that this is, I, I'd give that a four, but I'd say with maybe a three or a four, three and a half, with some light skepticism that I do think there's a market for it if you can hit the right um, approach. Yeah, this is a and three. I don't know exactly what that is. Yeah. This is not a four. If you start this brewery up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere and market it to the locals, it's going to fucking fail. If you put this brewery, doesn't matter where it is, as long as you're aiming it and getting to the people who drink this stuff, you're going to be fine. If you're going to go after this model, like a La Serene and side project and others like that, that oh, yeah. primarily their whole business is this more, um, how do we say this? Nuanced, thing? more... Beer, yeah, beer nerd more, heavy more complex beer, um, yeah. less about alcohol, more about the other things that go into beer. Um, you need to get to an educated audience. And as long as you do that, you're going to be fine. So this is a three to me. It's neither right nor and wrong. Right. It's hard, but it's – no, I'll go a two. I think he's even less right about this than – Three is fine for me. I would do three, but I think you're, I think you're right, essentially. I, I do think – it's um, it's really hard to open somewhere and, and do these things and spend the money uh, yep. economically right now to do it. So I think that furthers it a little more. I think consumers are getting more. I think there are more educated consumers now than there were. So if you can find a way to balance that, yep. uh, I think there's a chance you can, you can run a business successfully. I also predict that kettle sours will continue to grow and develop. I think that's fine. I think that's the same deal, like a three. Um, Two. El Sour continues to, to grow in 2022. Um, Did it take any price point. I guess what I... Any ground what I don't, I don't know is... Well, what I don't know is how well those, like, sour, uh, sour little thing type beers do. So, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's hard to tell, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, think... Now, this part you'll like, Tony. Okay. What you were you say? No. Yeah, you, I, you had more on Kettle Sour. Yeah, I, I don't think it's taken any ground off barrel programs. Those that had good barrel programs are still putting shit into barrels, still finding an yeah, audience no. for them. So it's a one. I don't think they're taking from each. I don't think they're taking from each other. Oh. I think maybe people find Kettle Sour more approachable for a new con a new consumer. Of course, but I don't think anyone's gi giving up their side project bottles to drink. Uh, you know. Uh, Berliner Weiss or whatever, yep. you know, I, uh, I, I don't think that's true. Um, all right. Uh, here we go, Tony. You'll, you'll be interested in this. Uh, English, English beers. So 14 is a, I think, a prediction for the future, not 2023, that the pub ale uh, or ordinary bitter will make a reappearance more so in the market. And number 15, I'm going to throw these together. 
uh, is um, willing. Uh, it says he feels like he's willing this into existence, <laughs> but that there will be a growth in English mild. Now, I think he's right on both of these, actually. I'm not saying that these grew to year of the English mild. No. Uh Standards, but I think we saw a lot more English style beers on menus this year. We did, and I've seen in ages. Like I, I just recently had a classic example called the Armbender, no longer mm-hmm. on tap at Mafco, but available in cans. Check out your local IGA if you're in Gippsland. <laughs> but no, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you there. I, I think the pub ale is going to make a resurgence. Um, it's just what I want to drink at the moment. So that's. That's why I like it. And, yeah, I think next year we'll see an uptick in craft English milds and they will they will take off. And don't call Given them session a, barley wines, though. That's some bullshit. I'm going to call those both fours on those. I think those are I – think, I think it's not quite – weren't quite its time, but the time is coming. Yep. Four for, um, for 2023, uh, five yeah. for 2024. Yeah, you're on, you're on board this year. Yep. I'm going to get into a place where we really don't know much, Tony, I admit. Uh, this is the N.A. beers. Um, frankly, yep. I've mentioned this before. I just have never had one that tasted any good or even got close to scratching the itch for me. Um, now, what they're saying here, what is his prediction here? He's saying that um, there's uh, producing... Uh, Oh, they're going to produce any products to improve internal culture and that also we will see uh, NA beer go up in 2023. I mean, both those things are true. So NA beer continued to increase, if maybe at a slower growth rate than in the past years. And um, a lot of that has to do with just people making more of it. Yep. Uh, There's more of it available. More breweries are making it. And um, Athletic is controlling that market quite a bit. Nobody's making a run at it. I think he's right on both those things. Those are both, what, four or five level predictions. And then he talks about the growth of hop water. Um, So hop water, just hoppy, sparkling water. Uh, Overwhelming appreciation for these compared to NA beers. Cheaper, zero calories, more refreshing. Scratches a similar itch. Uh, The investment is small by comparison. Turn time is faster. Consumer expectations are easier to meet. Now, I kind of agree with this. I think I have seen more hop water out there in the marketplace. Uh, we have friends who drink hop water uh, sometimes at a brewery. Uh, I like it. I've had the Sierra Nevada hop water, the Revolution hop water. They taste good. I'd say this is, I would rather drink hop water than any beer all day. That's okay, cool. 100%. I haven't really seen hop water make it to Australia, but I'm going to say for me that that sounds like a solid four. Prediction, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. The last few we have here are on the marketing side. This one I can give an example of. In uh, The next one he talks about is packaging continuity for beers. Uh, present your beer as fresh and modern, enough familiarity with the old look, continuity between brands, tighter language, and simplification. A good example of this, Tony, now he has Griffin Claw here, and these look good, is Frame. Frame shifted into all matching cans for their year rounds, and then a whole, a, a slightly different set of cans that match for their seasonals. And it has made finding their beer and using their beer, like, or purchasing their beer, yep. so much easier. So I think this was right on. I think he hit the target on this one, that uh, breweries are going to start simplifying their brand uh, picture a little bit. Make it a little more unified. 
I, I, I can see that with certain brands. I'd, I'd give that, I'd give that a three, but I still think it's we're going to have your places point. like Burial that are just going to have not so marketing. I think now to be fair though with Burial, I think their cans look a lot alike with just different iterations of artwork, right? So it's the yep. same artist, it's the same look and feel. It's just different pictures of snakes or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're yet to see that maturity in Australia. I'd I'd say a 3. So that's fine. Okay. Now he says something like I, this one I really didn't understand is that uh, the QR code is going to blow up. Now, I'll be honest, in Australia I use more QR codes than I've used <laughs> ever in the US. So I don't know where to put this. Um 2023, we'll, we'll see major push into marketing education via QR codes. Now. I don't know, dude. I'm, am I too old to think this no. is a, I mean, this just, I don't know. It seems like that's not true. But the adoption QR in Australia codes aren't fine, but. didn't increase, didn't change from where it was in 2022. 2021 and 2022 was when we had our big uptake in QR codes. So I'm going to give this a one. I don't think it has really picked yeah. up in America. And what you saw in Australia was not a product of 2023, but a product of previous years. Yeah, me too. Um, 21 is about uh, the Facebook algorithm. I don't know if I care about this. We're just going to bypass that. Don't care. 22 um, is about uh, more breweries being on TikTok. I didn't really know. I know I don't use TikTok. Tony, are you two, seeing lots of breweries using TikTok? Two and two. Yeah. And number 23 is he just says, uh, ignore my predictions. I don't know. I think so that's hard to ignore true. them. I, I, mean, think like, I think we just spent 20 minutes analyzing them. So 2020, uh, sorry, 23 gets a one from me. I thought he did okay. I think yeah. he got a good, um, he got a few of these right. Uh, I, I think he did better than most people that I've seen. So I'm going to, I'm going to give his overall prediction set like a three, um, maybe a two and a half. No, I think three's fair. Uh, I think I was harsh on a few of them, but in, in, Looking back on balance, I think he got just about 50% of them right. And, hey, if Alex Jones went at that strike rate, you would think he was a fucking genius. He gets exactly. about 2% of his right. predictions right. So this is – I know he had he does actual research and he has market insight, but, hey, 50% is not a bad strike rate when it comes to predicting the future. So, Tony, let's do a quick rundown here that uh, our upcoming stuff. Next week, I we're going to do our year in review for 2023. Yep. We've never done this before, really. I'd like to go, go through some of our best news, most interesting news stories, uh, some of our best uh, uh, mystery, uh, weird content, some of our <laughs> goofiest bits, some of our stupidest games, and just reminisce a little bit. Maybe a little less of our normal segments next week. Maybe more of just kind of recapping the year in an hour or so. And uh, seeing if there's anything, uh, you know, that really stuck out to us. Uh, so, Tony, make sure you scribble down some of your favorite stuff that we did this year. And we'll uh, I'll do the same and we can run that down next week. And the 10th, we're going to do the drippies. Uh, 2023 drippies will be on January 10. Uh, Tony's trying to find the drippy sound. And he's doing a great job. 
So, gang, make sure you get your predictions on the channel. I appreciate Nick, Max, Corey. Those guys have already gotten some of their best stuff yep. out there. Uh, much appreciated. PMAC, I saw on there. So, if uh, if you haven't gotten your uh, your predictions out there, uh, put them out for us. Or, sorry, your your favorites. And uh, Tony, do you have any big? Your one big prediction for next this coming year is what? Is uh, English Milds and you're the pub English ales? Mild. Not just pub ales. You're the English Mild. I'm gonna be like you, and I'm gonna focus down. None of this broad like pub ales, or I'm gonna focus, and I'm gonna say you're the English Mild. All right. Uh, I I actually buy that. I think we're gonna have uh, an influx of just various sort of dark session beers. Uh, so I think Czech dark lager will continue to thrive English mild. And I would say we could start seeing some more of like sessionable adjunct stouts, like your uh, yep. milk stouts, your five, 6% milk stout with, you know, coconut or cinnamon or something. You know, I think we might see a little boost in, in that type of beer too. Um, so sessionable dark beers, that's what we want. That'd be nice to, to throw into the mix. All right, gang. Uh, Tony, why don't you tell me where they can find us? They can find us on Untapped. That man is Griff AD. I'm St. Moz. We check in beers, and that's about all we do on Untapped. It's kind of the reason why yeah. that social media is what it is. But if you want to send us some dollars, because we worked fucking hard all year, uh, you can do that at our Ko-Fi account. That is KO dash fi.com forward slash beer engine podcast you can email us beer engine show at gmail.com and you can also follow us on instagram if you need more content we are at beer engine pod um yeah that's where you can find us and you hit the target yeah join our discord uh click the link at the bottom of our website and uh hop on give us your favorite beers of the year your favorite breweries your favorite place you went your favorite travel destination your favorite beer personality your least favorite beer personality all those things that we love uh that we love talking about uh here on our delightful uh, little show here uh all right tony another uh excellent conversation we'll be back yep. next week with our 2023 your review and maybe some some of our favorite bits uh, that I will uh, be piecing together over the next few weeks, all right? or a few days. Yeah, yes. and right. let us know on Discord who your least favorite president is. I'm going to quote mine. Uh, Every student has the ability to be a successful learner. Thank you, Warren G. Harding. Excellent. Yes, tell me your least favorite presidents out there. Uh, I think mine might be Coolidge. I just slammed him uh, pretty bad. Andrew Jackson, pretty nasty. Oh, Andrew Jackson's hard one to beat. Yeah. So many fake yeah. quotes around him, though. Goodbye. All right, gang. Talk to you in a week. Bye.